Turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to look at Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 12. In this passage, we find what we come to, I believe, expect from the book of Proverbs, which is words of wisdom, words that we can apply to our lives, words that can uh, help us, that can assist us as we walk through this journey on the face of the earth. The next four weeks, I want to share with you, I want us to examine what I believe is considered to be a key to living a victorious Christian life. And it is the subject of trusting God. Trusting God. The title of the series is, Are You Trusting God? And in it, we're going to address our trust in God. We're also going to look at His trust in us. And then we're going to examine some principles. Some principles that we can apply to our life and know and understand what happens when we completely and fully obey and trust in Christ. So, as we begin this series, our, our passage, our focal passage for the series is Proverbs chapter 3. So look with me there, starting in verse 1. My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. For they will bring you many days a full life and well-being. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. In verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own understanding. Think about Him in all your ways and He will guide you on the right path. Don't consider yourself to be wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. Honor the Lord with all your possessions and with all the first produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Verse 11 and 12. Do not despise the Lord's instruction my son, and do not loathe his discipline, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father, the son he delights in. Now these verses will, will be our focal verses for this entire series. But there are some things that I think we need to first and foremost say about these verses. The first is this. These commands in this passage of Scripture are all-inclusive. There are no exceptions to the rule. The passage doesn't say that we can 
just keep some of his commands. The passage says all of his commands. We can't just love God and trust God with some of our heart, but we must trust him with all of our heart. These commands are final. They are all-inclusive. There are no exceptions. We must understand that trust is a total affair of the heart. It is completely and 100% about trusting in God. With all of our heart. Not with some, but with all. These commands are all-inclusive. We must also realize that the commands precede a promise. They precede a promise. God tells us that if we do these things, if we obey His command, if we trust Him with all of our heart, with all of our being, then we will receive. Now, understand this is a little different from your relationship with God in terms of your salvation. We do not believe that we receive God's grace through salvation by doing something. It is a gift of God, not of works lest none of us should boast. So understand that when we talk about salvation, we, we receive salvation out of God's grace and His mercy, not because of our actions, but this passage, these commands that we find in Proverbs... They are conditional. We won't receive the benefits unless we obey the commands. You see, in this aspect, we've got to do our part in order for God to do His part. If we obey Him, then the passage leads us to the reality that He has wonderful promises for us to claim. He has wonderful things for us to experience when we really get down to it. Our relationship with God, our spiritual journey hinges on one question. Do I trust God? Do I say I trust God, but really I don't trust God? Or... Do I 100% without a doubt place my trust in God? In just a moment, we're going to unpack that question. I want to share with you something that I, I read about recently. It was a group of individuals that were blind that desired to snow ski. Matter of fact, they didn't just want to snow ski. They wanted to compete on a slalom course, going back and forth, back and forth, on this very steep ski slope. Well, the story I read talked about their preparation. And what they did was they started on the, the flat part of the uh, mountain, so to speak, the, the area down at the bottom, the valley, if you will. That's... That's where uh, folks that are learning to ski have ski school. They try not to have 
much of, a, much of an incline, just a little bit, but they started down in the valley. And they learned how to turn from right to left. And then when it was time, they went to what we call the bunny slopes. And when they went up to the bunny slopes, they went with sided partners. Skiers that would ski alongside of them. And when they needed to turn, their partner would yell, right. And they would just turn right. And they'd turn left, left. When they were at the end of the course, they would yell, stop. And so they would stop. And so it was an amazing thing that these blind skiers could navigate a course that an experienced skier had a difficulty navigating. Why? Because they trusted. They trusted in their partner. Not just a little bit of trust. Not just trust when they didn't know where they were or they thought they needed a little help. No, it was complete trust or catastrophe. It was complete trust or catastrophe. Now, it's easier for us to say that we trust God, but do we trust God like those blind skiers trusted their partner? Do we trust God that completely and that fully in everything or do we just trust Him with some things? You know, there's, there's really two folks, two types of people that do not trust God completely. There are ones that trust in themselves when it comes to the small things in life. It's only the big things that they go to their knees and say, God, I, I need your help in this, and I want to trust you that you're going to lead me to the right person that I'm supposed to marry, to the, to the right school that I'm supposed to go to, to the, to the right career that I'm supposed to have. But, but all those other little decisions, I'm going to trust in me. The reality is, all those other little things, those small things, those small decisions actually lead you to the big decisions. And then there are other people that, that say, you know, God, I, I need you to lead me in this thing I'm going to be doing today. And I, I need you to lead me in this small decision. But, but when it comes to the big decisions in life, they say, you know what? God may not completely understand my situation, so I need to sort of inject what I think that I should do in this situation. Both of those examples are completely wrong. They're completely wrong. The question of trust is a good question because it measures our level of trust in God. And our level of trust in God is vitally important in our relationship with Him. And so over the next few weeks... We're going to examine our level of trust because it has so much impact on the ability to experience spiritual growth as Christians. So in today's message, we're going to examine question one, can I trust God? Can you trust God? Can we trust in God? Now, the answer is obvious. What do you think I'm going to say? No, you can't trust in God. 
I'm not going to say that. But the answer is obvious, yes. And some of you say, well, great. Let's close our Bibles and go home. <laughs> but I want to give you today, I want to give you today three simple truths that can help you understand that you can trust God. Not with this thing or that thing. Not with the small things or the big things. But with everything. With everything. So first of all, the first truth, we must understand that God's care is constant. God's care for His children is constant. When it comes to trusting God, we can trust that God's care is always there. He never goes on vacation. He never takes a lunch break. He never even daydreams when it comes to His care over His children. In Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, we read these words, Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have, for He Himself has said, I will never leave you. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? One of the... Uh, Aspects of the English language that I've always struggled with is the area of double negatives. My mom and dad are here today, and I can't tell you how many times my mom instructed me on double negatives. You can't do that. I remember the first time I ever preached, and she was in the audience. She told me afterwards, she said, I was so afraid. <laughs> I was so afraid that you were going to Butcher the English language like I do conversationally, and I probably do to a degree uh, when I'm preaching, but, but those double negatives are tough. They're tough. Well, in the Greek language, a double negative is a literary device. It shows emphasis. In the English language, it's improper. In the Greek language... It is intended to show emphasis. Now, in this passage, the translation to English, the multiple negatives are removed so that it's proper English. But we can still see, I think, the emphasis. God gives us an emphasis in the fact that God's care will never leave us. His care is constant in our lives. But I want to show you. I want to read to you what would be the original Greek translation. I'm not going to read it to you, of course, in Greek, but, but I want to read it to you the way it would literally translate without removing the negatives. And this is what it would sound like. I will not know not leave you, neither will I not forsake you. Let me read that again. I will not, no, not leave you, neither will I not forsake you. Five negatives. 
five negatives in that one phrase show us the emphasis that God is placing on His care for us. Some years ago, pastor and author Max Lucado wrote a book called In the Grip of Grace. And I want to read to you an excerpt from that book. Lucado writes, Can anything separate us from God's love? Does He really love you no matter what? How does He feel when you snap at anything that moves? When you've failed as a parent? When your thoughts are gutter level? When your tongue is sharp? Have you drifted too far? Waited too long? Slipped too much? The answer is found in one of life's sweetest words. Grace. And he ends with this phrase. God lovingly holds you in the eternal grip of His grace. Took the children, Lorraine and I, to uh, Six Flags uh, this summer. Tanner won a, I shouldn't say won, he earned a free trip, a free ticket to Six Flags through his reading program at school. And, and he wouldn't have it that we weren't going to use that free ticket. I think we... He earned one last year, the year before too, and we didn't. But anyway, you know, when you're there in a place like Six Flags and there are people everywhere and there's craziness going on and it's all this and that and the other and children are looking up and they're seeing this and seeing that and, you know, when you have small children, you, you grab a hold to their hands, you know. I saw some that had those... Uh, Leashes, you know, <laughs> they weren't going to let them go get that far, you know. But you grab those children's hands and you hold on tight. And I remember one time, I remember one time, we were going down this hill and I was trying to get there in a hurry, you know, we're trying to beat the crowds and, and I'm squeezing Emma Kate's hand and I'm just holding on as tight as I can and she says, Daddy, you're hurting my hand. I want you to know, that God's constant care for you and I, that grip of His grace is so strong that sometimes we think it hurts. Sometimes we think that, that God's keeping us from doing what we think is best for us. I want you to understand that His care is constant and it's good. And it's good for us. He promises to never leave us, never forsake us. And we can be assured of the fact that if you are a child of God, then you are forever in His grip of grace. His care is constant. Secondly, we can trust God because His gifts are generous. His gifts are are generous. In Psalm 50, verses 9 through 12, we read these words. I shall take no young bull out of your house, nor male goats out of your fields. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all it contains. Everything belongs to God. 
Everything belongs to God. His gifts are generous. Last December, our son came home from school super excited. He was so excited. He was jumping up and down. He said, I want to tell you, but I can't tell you. I said, what's going on? He said, well, today I got to go to Santa's shop and buy presents for all of y'all. And I said, really? He said, absolutely. He said, I wish I could tell you what I bought you, but I can't. Daddy, I, come over here and I'll whisper and I'll tell you what I got mom. <laughs> and I'm sure he did the same thing to her. But he, he had picked out a present for me and Ray and Emma Kate. And after all the excitement, he presented us with a form. It was a form showing how much we needed to pay for each of the presents that he had picked out for us. You've gone through this before, maybe. Well, I asked a question. I said, you mean I've got to pay for my own Christmas present and I don't even get to pick it out? Well, his face sort of changed. And then I saw the light bulb hit on. He says, oh, no, Daddy. I'll pay for it out of my piggy bank. And he starts running upstairs. I said, no, 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 no. And he could have paid for all of the gifts out of his piggy bank, but he wouldn't have had any more money left. And so I said, no, son, that's, that's not a problem. You give me that form and, and we, will, uh, we will pay for it. Each one of the gifts. I got the form and it showed for daddy and for mama and for sister. And I think he had something for maybe a cousin and an aunt and uncle. And all. Yeah, he, 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 had, he had gone in there and really picked out a lot of gifts. But... But it showed who the gift was for and then how much it was. And each of them were under $5. And uh, so anyway, we paid for him. And, and he was so excited that Christmas morning, he watched me open my present. It was a small figurine of a bulldog holding a football. He was so excited about that. And then Lorraine Ray opened her present. It was a ring, a plastic ring with a plastic diamond that was in the shape of a heart. And then Emma Kay opened her present. It, was a, it wasn't plastic. It was, it was glass. But it was a little flower with pink petals on it. You know, don't ever tell him I said this. But I would have much rather received a brand new shotgun or maybe even a, a, a new tractor for my garden, I, I would have taken a brand new pickup truck. But why? Why did he give me a little figurine of a bulldog and a football? Well, it's, it's one of the most precious things. And I'll never forget that Christmas. But the reality was he didn't give me a new shotgun or a new pickup truck because he couldn't afford one. And I surely couldn't afford one. Well, when it comes to God, you and I need to understand that God's gifts are generous. They're generous because He can afford to be generous. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything in the world. It all belongs to God. 
Don't seek the approval of someone on this earth because of their resources. No, seek the approval of our Heavenly Father because His resources are boundless. They are expansive. He owns everything. So let me ask you. Can you trust God? Well, we've learned that His care is constant. We've learned that His gifts are are generous. What else do we need to know in order to see the reality of the last truth? Which is this. God is worthy of our trust. During my study this week, I ran across a poem that I thought was perfect for the topic of trust. It's a, it's a rather old poem, but, but it goes like this. Trust Him when dark doubts assail thee. Trust Him when thy strength is small, trust Him when to simply trust Him seems the hardest thing of all. Trust Him, He is ever faithful. Trust Him for His will is best. Trust Him for the heart of Jesus is the only place to rest. God is truly worthy of our trust. And we should trust Him completely. I think all of us probably have a room to improve when it comes to trusting God. I think all of us could probably raise our hands and say, I desperately need to trust God more. But how do we do it? How do we develop a trust in God that is 100%? Well, in closing, I want to share with you a plan. I want to give you some simple principles, some guidelines, some steps. Three simple steps that I believe if you'll put this into practice, you'll be well on your way to trusting God more. First of all, we have to trust in adversity. We've got to trust in adversity. We've got to trust God even when times are difficult. Many times people think that, that adversity means that God has forgotten them. means that, that God has somehow forgotten about their condition. And they think it's, it's up to me to, to take care of things, but we must trust God even during the difficult times. It takes the Holy Spirit to help us to do so. Listen to King David's words in Psalm 34.4. I sought the Lord. He says, I, I sought the Lord and He answered me and He delivered me from all my fears. David is, is pointing out, listen, I was in a time of adversity. I was in a tough place and I sought the Lord. I trusted in Him and He answered me and He delivered me. I think David really puts his finger on the problem. You see, God asks us to obey and trust in situations that are bigger than we can handle. In those situations that are larger than we can take. But instead of doing our part, which is trusting and obeying, you know what we do? We bargain. That's right. We bargain. Lord... If, if you'll just let this happen, then I'll do this. Lord, if, if I do this, 
what are you going to do then? If I give you this situation or this relationship, how are you going to work it out? Because you see, I want to know what the end result's going to be before I trust you. It's almost like we're saying, God, you don't understand everything that's going on in my life. No wonder Jesus said that we needed to come to the Father like little children. Trusting doesn't mean that we're bargaining. It means that we are laying it all at His feet saying, I can't do it anymore. I can't tell you how many people come to me. And, and they come to me when they get to this point and they say, Preacher, I need some guidance, I need some direction because I can't do it anymore. And I want to say, that's exactly where God wants you to be. That's exactly where God wants you to be. Are you in the midst of adversity? Are you having one of those times in your life when you can't handle it anymore? Well, God says, lay it at my feet. Give it to me completely and whole. The second part of developing our trust in God is, is trusting in plenty. Trusting when things are going well. And this maybe is one of the most difficult areas of trust. It, it just seems that when things are going well, we either trust in ourselves or we trust in our things. Are you the kind of person that, that puts your spiritual life on cruise control when everything is going well? Maybe you're the kind of person that says, well, I guess God is okay with everything I'm doing, so I'm going to keep on doing it. And then maybe when the adversity comes, that's when you hurry back to God. Well, sometimes that's the natural tendency for people. But what we've got to do is get to a spiritual level of trust where we are trusting God just as much on the mountaintops as we are in the valleys. I believe the last part is key to trusting, especially trusting in plenty, and it's simply this. Trusting God as the source. Trusting God as the source. We may not realize it, but the blessings that we receive are because God has blessed us. It's because God has blessed us. But here's what often happens. We trust the job instead of the God who gave us the job. We trust the health that we have instead of the God who gave us the health that we have. We don't see God as the source. And so we've got to understand that, that we've got to trust God as the source of all that we've been blessed with. There's a passage in Proverbs that communicates this reality it's an interesting contrast. Interesting contrast between people who trust in God and people who trust in themselves. Proverbs 18, 10, and 11. We read these words. And, and this is going to be, in a sense, a little bit probably familiar to. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is saved. You've probably heard that passage preached at funerals 
memorial services. The, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. But listen to the second part. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. And like a high wall in his own imagination. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. What does this passage say? Simply, those who trust in the Lord go to Him immediately. But those who trust in possessions treat them as a fortified city with a high wall. They believe that they can hide in their possessions and not be touched. But what does the passage say? <coughs> Only in their imagination. It's not true. Well, let me ask you as we close. What is the high wall of your imagination? Is it your education? Is it your savings account? Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your status among your peers. It's so easy for us to trust in those things. But we, what we must do in order to develop true trust in God is to realize that He is the source of all that we have been blessed with in our lives. Does that mean that we don't work hard? No. We're supposed to work hard. Does that mean that being financially successful is wrong? Absolutely not. What it means is that we can and we should trust God with everything and at all times. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name and allow your word to penetrate our hearts and our lives. Lord, we all need to trust in you more and more every day. None of us have arrived. But God, you desire for us to pursue you and pursue a life that is trusting in you for everything. And I pray, Father, as your word has gone forth, Lord, that you would, Lord, just Give us the conviction that we need. Give us the courage that we need. And Father, we will then see the benefits of trusting completely in you. Your promises. Your word is filled with them. And when we trust in you, then our lives will be filled with the benefits. Thank you for this day. Thank you for each individual here who know the Lord that you have not made a mistake in ordering the, the presence of all here in this body of believers. We pray that you work in our hearts and work in our lives. For your sake and your glory, and it's in Christ's name we pray.